0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Skewed and Reviewed Cast. I am Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, technology, and so much more. We recently did a theme update, so we're still working on a few things, but it is coming along and looking really well. You can also catch us at Uh, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of newspapers that cover our game reviews. We have our skewed and reviewed magazine, and we're working on the next issue currently for the end of the year, which will have our 2023 holiday gift guide in it. We also have uh, all kinds of great syndication partners, such as Sci-Fi Radio, Smash Bomb, Open Critic, many more, and of course, BJ Shay's Geek Nation on KSW-FM, where I do game, uh, movie, TV, travel, convention, pop culture news. And we've got a lot of stuff we're in the process of doing. This. We're there, so a lot of the stuff's going on. There's social media pages. Uh, I've got a very active platform on YouTube, so definitely check us out there. I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael, and we've got a quick rundown of some of the biggest news stories, some of them happening right now. One of our last shows, when we were recording away, the actor's strike ended, and here we are a week later, and as predicted, there has been a flurry of activity, and production is moving. First up, we've had the uh, announcement that the upcoming season of The Big Bang Theory's Young Sheldon will be its final season. Popular shows, uh, you know, may be back, and some of them are in limbo. Uh, But one thing we can absolutely say is that Wednesday, February 7th, you will see the return of Abbott Elementary The Connors and Not Dead Yet with Abbott Elementary getting a one-hour premiere. And uh, some other things to keep an eye out is the procedural dramas Will Trent, The Rookie, and The Good Doctor will be back Uh on February 20th, and, of course, the ones that we're all waiting for. Uh, a few weeks later, 911, one Grey's Anatomy, and Station 19. I'm the Grey's Anatomy person. I oh, Excuse me, the Station 19 person. Don't watch the others. March 14th, so a little later on that one. Uh, unsure the episode counts at this time. Now, of course, uh, take the good with the bad things, such as A Million Little Things, Alaska Daily, Big Sky, The Company You Keep. Goldberg's Home Economics, and in a surprise move, the rookie spinoff Feds uh, got the axe and will not be returning. So let's start with you, Justin. Uh, Surprised that they're coming back that quickly, and surprised about uh, some shows getting the axe uh, that were in limbo?
1: Uh, No, I'm not particularly surprised. I I think uh, a lot of the productions and a lot of the studios probably were Uh, basically waiting with everything loaded uh, as it were just waiting for the uh, the final agreement to come through so they could start moving Uh, obviously some of the productions probably they have to spin things up and and it's going to take some more time but uh, I would imagine most of the studios were basically just waiting for that last piece of the puzzle in order to make make things happen and as far as shows not coming back no, I'm not particularly surprised either. I, I think this was w- one of those uh, moments where it was it was always going to kind of push some pressure um, on the industry, and it, obviously it, it, with with that much time gone with production, it, it's going to uh, it's going to always result in. Um, uh, some costs, and I, I think that's uh, unfortunately just the way things go. I think we saw this the last time that there was a big um, industry-wide strike. Um, a lot of shows didn't recover. Some of them didn't come back at all, so I, I think that's completely normal. Um, this was kind of a uh, an abnormal event, and some of the shows that probably wouldn't have been renewed anyway um, after their first season or their next season, um, they probably were the ones that didn't make it.
0: Michael, your take, please.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think I don't think I'm really surprised at some of the shows that aren't coming back. Some of those have been long running and were probably close to either their last season this year or or pretty close to being, you know, undecided at the time. Uh, again, they weren't necessarily bad shows. You know, like shows like The Goldbergs. I know there, there's been a lot of um, some loss there with the main characters and um, you know, anytime we're talking about shows where that involve kids, yeah, young Sheldon is part of this as well, is eventually they kind of grow out of the roles, right? I mean, I think every show that focuses around a family of some sort tends to be there. So I think even even outside of the actor strike and, and some of that, I think those those shows had a had a, a timeline with them as well. Now some of that stuff might have been delayed. Um, with the the strike, so maybe something that would have had one more season because of timing, or because of the cost, or because of just other stuff that that happens. Um, just the timing just didn't work out. Um, some of those shows were probably uh, on the on the fence, or at least kind of in the middle ground of whether or not they should be renewed or not. And with the with the new um, deals that were, you know, the new contracts that were signed. I don't know how much that would have impacted um, this particular season, but there's clearly would have been some impact. I think at the end of the day, um, they had to look at the numbers and determine, you know, was this show, maybe the show was profitable before, but it was not going to be profitable again. And, and some of those decisions had to be made. And again, some of these things, we hear about cancellations all the time that aren't necessarily related to this at all. Um, some of them might've been on the, the chopping block well before the strike. And it just happened to be that once the strike was um, formally, you know, resolved and the contract signed, we just got the announcement something they didn't announce before. So again, I don't, I think this is all business as usual. Some of them might have had a little bit of a, of a, a life for another season or so, but realistically, a lot of them probably were kind of nearing the end of their run, anyways. Um, so I wouldn't say anything was necessarily surprising. Um, whether or not, you know, and, I, and Justin's point, I agree that I think is, I think a lot of this stuff is queued up so that the minute the paperwork was signed, they would get back to work and be ready to go. Um, some of these were probably already shot to some degree or were in the process of, of completing their se- the series, uh, the season, um, and just getting everybody back, you know, going as quickly as possible. I think they had they had been prepared for that for a long time. So I think it's, good, it's a good sign that this stuff's still going to be released. Uh, there isn't a big impact to schedules, at least not as much as we might have thought there would be. You know, ultimately, I think that'll that keeps things moving in in a positive direction for everybody involved, and you know, we'll
0: just go from there and see how things go. The Young Sheldon thing was a bit of a surprise for me because they had been giving it multi-year orders, and I understand part of the reason behind it. I'm curious if the announced, but yet no details next spin off or Big Bang Theory is still going to happen. Uh, where I'm looking at it is supposedly at the end, and this I don't think would be really any spoiler, but uh, people have said, okay, well, if you look at where they're going with this season, um, this is when he hits a certain age, about 14, and we know that he goes off to college in California. So I think they were probably faced with, okay, so... He goes off to college in California. Do we want to continue a show with him on his own where essentially his family is out of the picture or reduced to just guest stars and that sort of thing. And I think they decided, um, unless for all we know, you know maybe the next series is young Shelton, the college years or something like that, but they apparently decided no, you know once the young Sheldon's about his time, in East Texas. Once that is done, uh, we'll go from there. So it'll be an interesting thing to see. And of course, there'll always be the big scramble to try to replace it. Now, um, a lot of other stuff coming along. I did want to mention uh, a few things, but I, I do think we should definitely look at the box office. So this weekend, we have the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes opening. And uh, got to see it Very enjoyable, very well uh, could be one of the best, if not the best in the series. Different from the others, obviously. If you've read the book, you'll know what to expect. But it is a very solid adaptation of the book. And a lot of really good acting, very good performances in it. Now, this is paired uh, uh, on opening weekend with Eli Roth's uh, live-action version of Thanksgiving. Also saw this. This is the horror film that grew from his fake trailer from the Grindhouse movie. Um, Interesting enough, he didn't choose to make this the grainy kind of retro-looking thing that it was implied in the original Grindhouse trailer. This is a little mix of campy humor and horror set in a modern setting. Entertaining, but you kind of know what to get. Kids get their choice of trolls band together. And there, of course, is the comedy "Next Goal Wins," which I have seen, which is very entertaining. Problem with this is, let's not forget, the Marvels is out there; it's still struggling to find an audience, and with this level of competition, and with Napoleon and Wish uh, coming up very soon after, uh, this could bode very badly for the Marvel universe. So that is where I wanted to lead into a got a bad box office showing right now. I'm going to wait and we'll see what the final numbers are. We've seen movies not do very well to begin with. And lo and behold, let's not forget, everybody wanted to write off The Little Mermaid. Uh, Various other recent Disney releases, people wanted to write off and edit like... um, uh, Oh, Michael, help me out here. What was the recent one with the fire? Uh, Earth, Wind, Air and Fire, the uh, Pixar movie. They wanted to write that one off. That ended up doing very well uh, in the end. So, you know, again, take a wait-and-see attitude. Uh, But you got a lot of important things. You know, you've got Netflix's The Killers. You've got the new season for part one of The Crown, final season out. There's a lot of attention being paid to these things. And as this happens, we get word that Venom 3 is resumed filming. Uh, Next week, we get Deadpool 3 resuming production. And now we're getting a lot of news on the Fantastic Four, uh, specifically that Pedro Pascal, uh, they are working around his schedule for potential Mandalorian and Last of Us, uh, is going to sign on as Reed Richards. Vanessa Kirby is uh, the leading candidate to play Sue Storm. Joseph Quinn from uh, Stranger Things is going to play Johnny. And Ivan Moss Bakarak, I hope I'm saying that right, who is the older... Uh, relative on the Hulu show The Bear, is being looked at to play Ben Richards and possibly Javier Bardem as Galactus. Michael, is this uh, a surprising move for you, and what do you think about this, if it turns out to be true?
2: So, I I mean, I think some of the casting choices are a little bit surprising. Um, Not necessarily that's a, that's a, a bad thing. What we've kind of talked about in the past is sometimes they go with named stars that aren't necessarily good actors for the part. And we have seen, um, you know, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, the Batman uh, with, um, what's it? I can't even think of his name. Pattinson. Yeah, I, I was very, very, very much not in favor of, of him being cast in that role and that turned out to be a, a fantastic movie. So what we what we've seen is sometimes the vision from that we expect to see to match the comics um aren't always the people that they pick to do the acting uh, or the roles but at the same time it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not there's not a uh, you know because we've seen the fantastic four done a couple of times um the the original one back in the 90s i, I think had some more of the what we would expect the traditional um uh, characters to look like and while i thought those movies were okay. Um, they didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily received well by audiences. So maybe a different take with um, some of the, the people they feel are would be a better, would might make a more interesting choice. Um, will actually turn out okay. So I, I, you know, again, I this is one of these franchises that you think would be pretty easy to knock out of the park, kind of a lot, a lot like the DC movies that we talk about on a regular basis. And for some reason, this one in particular, the Fantastic Four franchise, has been very difficult to pull off. Uh, again, I liked the original uh, movie back from the 90s. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, compared to what we were getting back then, like with Batman and Robin and some of those other ones, I thought it was much better. But, uh, but yeah, I, but, but I'm interested to see how, what the take is and how this goes. Again, this, seri- this series do you think would be... Easier to pull off, but they really struggled with it. So let's let's hope that this uh, for the third or fourth time around is a, is a charm at this point.
1: Justin, your take, please. Yeah, to Michael's point, I think you know you you have multiple strategies on how you do casting, and you can kind of take a riskier approach that ends up paying off, which I think kind of t- tends to be a more common approach these days, uh, or at least in the past decade or so. So um you know this kind of goes back to kind of what you what michael mentioned uh with robert pattinson as bruce wayne slash batman kind of a a strange choice but uh ended up ended up working ended up being um pretty good for the role um you know you also have uh um heath ledger as the joker is the classic example of this which was just kind of took everyone by surprise Uh, myself included, I I thought was a a very skeptical choice even way back then, but ended up being a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal choice, but sometimes it doesn't really work. So, you know, Jesse Eisenberg as, uh, as Lex Luthor, I I think could, could, could have worked. Uh, I I see what they were kind of going for. It just didn't, didn't quite, didn't quite land. Um, but, uh, you kind of see what I mean, where you kind of take, uh, a new angle on the character that, that, uh, you know people may may not be expecting and if it if it works i think it really kind of elevates the character uh and elevates the movie so i think that's probably the angle they're going with uh a little bit i mean i think with the fantastic four um and uh i I might be talking out of my depth here just because i i'm a like a light fan of the fantastic four i didn't i haven't really followed them very closely but I feel like those characters, you can play with them a little bit more than, than say, like a Peter Parker. Like a Peter Parker or a Bruce Wayne is going to have a ton of scrutiny as to who gets cast in that role. Uh, I think you can maybe you know be a little riskier with, with how you cast the Fantastic Four characters. But really, I think the only way to judge the casting choices is going to be the final product because it's going to be part of the vision of, between the director and the writer and, and the actors, um, trying to pull it off. Uh, you know, like I've mentioned before, I was very skeptical many casting choices over the years of different Marvel and DC characters. And I was proven wrong, uh, multiple times. So, um, so it's definitely one of those things I I find it intriguing the the choices they made so far, I, I think the thing I'm actually most curious about, um, You know, in light of what you mentioned earlier, earlier, Gareth, with the struggles of uh, the Marvels at the box office, which, again, caveat being that uh, it's not done yet. It's still got quite a bit of life left at the box office. But there were those rumors that they're going to pivot towards uh, like a Doctor Doom arc. Um, And I really think that uh, something that's pretty important for the MCU to, to do sometime soon is start building towards something they were kind of trying to do that with kane um but i'm just going to be honest i don't think it's been as effective as their way of building up thanos uh and i really think that they're, they're probably going to need to pivot um sometime soon to start building towards something again uh and so they can start building momentum um the galactus uh the rumors about galactus being in it um interesting uh i i i really i'm really curious to see how they how they would pull that character off
0: well yeah i mean we all know if we get galactus we have to get the silver surfer we know echo is on the way and i don't know if you saw the trailer but um the new season of marvel's what if is coming to disney plus and i think this is a clever move they're going to drop the first episode on december 22nd and then one new episode each day for the next nine days. So instead of making you get it all at once or wait a week each week for a new episode, they're going to sprinkle it over nine days, essentially. Uh, you know, little something over the holidays to get people uh, watching. It, it, it looks interesting. So, you know, we will see. And it, it's also interesting to note that there's all of these rather uh, unusual things happening in the world right now of film because of what's happening uh, with, you know, things being moved into production. Now, this one kind of shocked everybody. Uh, Bob Iger is uh, doing his bit to launch the new Frozen area at the theme park uh, in Hong Kong. And he let out that not only is Frozen 3 coming, Frozen 4 is on the the way. And that is like, you know, wow, this is, uh, you know, This is a move that is interesting because traditionally Disney has not done many sequels to their live action films. Uh, Frozen uh, was an example, uh, but, you know, there have been some that haven't worked, like the sequel, Wreck-It Ralph, the second Rescuers film. Uh, A lot of the other sequels that they've done have been more of the direct-to-video variety. So for them to not only say, yeah, we got a third one, but another one's coming is an interesting shift. You've got Dwayne Johnson saying that the live-action Moana is coming. There's been some talk of a uh, uh, sequel in the animated form for that. And then, of course, we just recently had the trailer for Inside Out 2, which lit up the Internet and did exceptionally well. Uh, you know, I expect to see a lot of animation. We had news that Harley Quinn was got renewed for Season 5, and while it's not traditional animation... We're going to be seeing the TED prequel series in January, uh, so looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. Uh, but gentlemen, we have this interesting thing going on right now uh, with Warner Brothers, and that, uh, first off, CEO and President David Zaslav uh, spoke about the writer's strike, and he essentially said, uh, you know, I'm going to paraphrase that the writers were right in many of their demands. He's got no regrets about the deal that was struck between them. Uh, but he did seem to imply that he does think that they're overpaying them, even though he says, I've never regretted overpaying for great talent or great assets. So, you know, that's kind of, hmm, lightly stirred up things at a time when it's all okay, let's all play nice and get back to work. Um, At the same time, there's this situation where you have this movie called... um, It's about Wiley Coyote, and it was uh, a rather interesting situation, so I'll try to explain this out. It's called Coyote vs. Acme. Uh, Some people, such as Lego Movie, Spider-Verse duo, Chris Lord, and uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller see it. They had very high praise for it. And what it is, it's a um, mix of live action and animation, and it has... John Senna in it and everything, and it's uh, the the very simplified version is that the Coyote gets himself a lawyer and decides to to sue Acme for all the defective products that he got that have never helped him catch the Roadrunner, and it's supposed to be very good, and Warner Brothers had apparently decided they're going to shelve the $70 million movie, not release it, take the $30 million tax write-off, and move forward, similar to what happened with batgirl well this has created a huge outcry in the animation community in the general uh film community to the point where warner brothers is now saying okay 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 let's uh let's take a deep breath here and uh we'll see about shopping it around and see if anybody is interested justin what's your take on all this
1: yeah, I think it's unfortunate. We've uh, heard similar kind of situations uh, before. This isn't completely unique. I think this also happened with Batgirl uh, to an extent. Um, not the exact same scenario, but a, a fairly similar one, um, which I, I think is kind of troubling to hear about. So uh, to me, the the way I kind of take this is that it it's kind of comes down to some accounting prob- accounting issues with uh um the way the industry operates now so and this is obviously i'm no insider or anything so this is purely speculation but uh it seems it seems like instead of risking a loss or releasing a movie that might break even or approach breaking even it seems like they take the the less risky approach and just write it off uh as a tax write-off um it's just very strange that you would get all the way through basically to a complete product, a complete uh, movie that could be released, like in the case of Batgirl it was supposedly like a totally done watchable movie. Um, and then you would basically sell it uh, sell, or uh, shelve it completely. Um, that seems really baffling, but I guess if you if you kind of try to rationalize it out, uh, I'm guessing what's happening behind closed doors is they're looking at numbers and they're they're looking at uh, projections. And if the projections look like, OK, well, this movie is not going to make its money back or it's only going to like approach breaking even, then um, we're just going to we're just going to try to get a uh, tax write off so we can uh, dump that uh, investment into a different project that or a project that might actually turn like a bigger profit. Um, it's that's still. That's still not a very sustainable model, I don't think. You know, it's a lot of time and investment and work for hundreds, dozens, if not hundreds of people, uh, to make a finished movie and then only to to basically, uh, you know, trash all of their work. Um. So hopefully, they come up with a model that you know is a little more sustainable and allows you know these these works to actually be released. So hopefully, you know, there there are things that mitigate it. So I know that a lot of movies and tv shows that that struggle or might not do super well at the box office end up releasing on streaming services or they get sold to other uh um their other uh platforms um or other studios to release and maybe that's something that will happen here but uh, i do think that there has to be some kind of larger shifts in how movies are funded or how much they cost um because it, it, it these kinds of signs are a little troubling Michael your
0: take please
1: yeah
2: so I think some of these fall into different categories like like I think with Batgirl, um, there was there were lots of again we don't know we don't know the specifics but there was lots of information that that movie was so bad that it wasn't even even watchable in its current state and, and some of that might be they they're worried about, um, tainting the brand even further, particularly when it comes to DC, we've already had some questionable movies, and um, that could be an issue with that. Um, there's the other the other category we've seen where, um, with the the contracts still in limbo and 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 how they were trying to to save money, we've seen them pull um, existing shows off of streaming services. Disney was notorious for this with Willow, they did that with the Mighty Ducks as well, um, where they, they had been streaming. Um, they had been, you would assume, paid for, were already there, and then when there were was, um, you know, news about the strikes or news about um, potentially having um, to deal with some of the financial aspects of that, they pulled a lot of those uh, already completed series off the platform. And then I, I think with Warner Brothers, in particular given the, the backhanded compliment where, oh, we were paying them too much, but, oh, we never scoff at paying people too much that are are good. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a pretty much a backhanded compliment. And anyways, um, to, to Justin's point, if this movie they felt either wasn't going to make enough money to have to pay the new contract royalties, it would be a part of, well... It will cost us less to shove it and not not release it than potentially release it, maybe not make enough money at the box office, uh, You know, maybe break either of the box office. But now we have to pay these additional royalties to the writers or the cast or, or whomever to take it to streaming or whatever. They look at that as a bigger loss than what they might have considered being a loss prior to the contract negotiations. Again, I, we don't know the specifics behind all of these, but those are three examples that I can think of where we've seen these movies um, or shows either release and, and not be released anywhere, or are finished and not released, um, movies where or shows that have been streaming but now there's a potential financial impact that wasn't there prior to when they released it, or they weren't going to be able to make the money off of it, so they removed it prior to that becoming an issue. Or they simply, you know, pre-contract things looked okay, post-contract now they're either worried about it or, you know, they just they just don't want to deal with the ramifications of it and feel it's better to take the tax right off than to take the loss.
0: Yeah, and that's very interesting. And, like, here's here's a little twisted one that did go and has been below the radar. But let's not forget that in November of 2022 and wrapped in early 2023, this little movie called Beverly Hills Cop 4 was filmed. And uh, we haven't heard a peep about it. And, you know, so it, it's interesting because... Rumors are kicking around that Eddie Murphy and Kevin Hart may team up for a new 48 Hours movie and stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, well, um, you know, believe it, if it actually happens, these rumors fly around. But these are exactly the kind of projects that streamers may start to jump on going, okay, uh, it's got name recognition. Uh, We don't need to spend 100 million dollars making it, hopefully, depending on how much they pay. Because, let's remember, now they have those deals in place where they can say, well, we're going to give you this much, and if it makes a profit, uh, then we can catch you on the back end. So a lot of interesting stuff. The final thing I wanted to mention briefly tonight is Comic-Con open registration for San Diego Comic-Con. If you missed out on returning registration, or if you have not gone and you are looking for a chance to go, Make sure to go to their website and check it out. They are going to be um, getting going, I believe, Michael, is Saturday morning, isn't it? Yeah, so Saturday
2: morning, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, where we're at. But yeah, 9 a.m. Pacific, you have to be signed in prior to 9 a.m. Uh, as soon as 9 a.m. rolls around, they will start allocating those who are signed in um, to the various buckets, and then, if you're lucky, you'll get an opportunity to buy. Um, with uh, last, I, I think that what I saw between the last year and this year with the, the folks who were returning is that everything kind of sold out about 10 minutes earlier than it had the year before. Um, and, and so, obviously, uh, the, those are returning guests. So, it, it could be worse or better, I guess, depending for open registration. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you want to be. Make sure you have an account, Um, you know, make sure you're signed into that account. I think you can sign in up to an hour in advance. Uh, We usually sign in at least 15 or 20 minutes in advance. And then as soon as you, uh, as soon as 9 a.m. rolls around Pacific time, uh, they have the ball rolling and you go from there.
0: And uh, also talking about ticket sales, PAX East uh, has started its um, ticket sales, $67 a day four-day badge, $250. Uh, So that is uh, uh, what's going on in the world of conventions right now, or at least the major convention news. There's always stuff. Uh, Other than that, folks, um, that's going to do it for us this week. So I hope everybody has a very healthy and happy week ahead. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving, if you do celebrate that, because we will be... Back on to chat with you after that. And uh, stay safe if you go out on uh, Black Friday or any of those shopping days. And stay warm. Until then, take care. We'll talk to you later.